Hi Pacers fans, this is Victor Oladipo and you're listening to Pacers Sound. He relays it to Oladipo, right edge of the arc, he blows right by Peyton and then slams it with two hands. 4.59 left, that was breathtaking and it's 67-66. Welcome into another Sideline Guys podcast. I'm Pat Boylan alongside Jeremiah Johnson, and we are about to tape a podcast in one of our favorite scenarios, which is we are taping a podcast a week after the previous podcast, and we have no losses to talk about. Four wins in a row for the Indiana Pacers over the Grizzlies, the comeback over the Pistons, most recently the Florida sweep in Miami and against Orlando. Jeremiah, you're uh, summarizing of what has been a really good week for Indiana against four opponents that I think are probably uh, near them in the standings or near them maybe in quality of opponent, and to get all four of those, especially considering three were on the road they already have six road wins I think that may be the most significant stat of the season it's been awesome to watch and I think uh, when we started this four game stretch I thought well these are four teams that could be playoff contenders maybe even a couple of them top four seed type of contenders and they also could be teams that struggle and maybe are lottery teams and you just don't really know about any of those teams and the Pacers showed at least right now at this very Uh, moment this one little snapshot in the season that they are better than all four of those teams because three of those wins were on the road they had a come from behind win against the Pistons and now they've split the season series against Detroit but that showed a lot of fight a lot of toughness to get that win against the Pistons and uh, you know a couple weeks ago I think fans were you know questioning things after some blown leads but now (laughs) it's it's interesting if you want to just follow our Twitter timelines or our mentions and maybe even go to better to search at Pacers and see what people are saying about the team. It's been fantastic to watch the teamwork, the unselfishness, uh, the effort. Something Nate McMillan said after the game last night is that our team gives them everything they have every single night. And I think that's maybe the motto for the season when it started, I think, were guys that played with something to prove, but guys that play hard. And how many times last season, we said this, Sometimes I think it's good things we say when a season starts actually come true. And I didn't know how many games this team would win, but I just said I had a feeling that we would not have a number of games where after the game was over, Nate McMillan would lament the team's lack of effort. And that's what we heard so many times last year. And I think that's what made the team frustrating to watch at times. And I have not really seen one game where effort was in question. And I think that through 18 games with 11 on the road and five back-to-backs, uh, that that in itself is an accomplishment, and then to have 10 wins in those 18 games, uh, cherry on top of the Sunday. We said this, I think, from the beginning of the season. We weren't totally sure how the season would turn out, and for me at least, I'm, I still really have no idea. I think it could t- take a lot of turns the rest of the way. We're 18 games in, but we are closing in on the quarter season mark. But that you would get a team that rarely had nights where you know they just said, we didn't bring it. And so far, they've had you know bad losses where they've lost by double-digit points, where they haven't executed. But there haven't been any games where I've walked in and I've heard that in the locker room or kind of felt that you know they didn't bring it. Effort hasn't been an issue, and it would be it'd be funny too to get some kind of like graphic of just Twitter mentions as the season goes and kind of see how the fan base is reacting in the moment throughout 82 games. But I had a lot of tweets last night, uh, people saying things along the lines of, you know, this team is always bringing it the entire time, and that's so fun to watch. 
and to have effort turn into wins. Like, that's obviously the most important thing. If the Pacers were giving great effort, but through 18 games they were 4-14, and 14, I don't think uh, you would see many people tweeting positive things. So obviously those have to go um, hand in hand, but I'm just looking at my Twitter last night. Uh, Uncle Rusty, that's a team that plays hard for each other, and when you do that, they win. Mac Overton, these guys play hard um, all the time. Nick W., uh, <laughs> Kevin Pritchard not only stole Vic and Dom, but he's the executive of the year. Um, and, and, you know, we were talking about this off air, if you're Orlando and I think they've got some good pieces and, you know, if, um, their most recent pick, uh, Isaac in the draft turns into be a good player, they've got a decent nucleus there. But if you're Orlando, it has to be frustrating to play a team like the Pacers because you've got Victor Oladipo playing like an all-star and scoring 29 points against you. You've got the pick that was used to be DeMontis Sabonis and everything that he's done this year. And then you also have to watch at and look at what Miles Turner is. And even though he didn't have a huge game on Monday night, um, you drafted Mario Hazonia over Miles Turner. So, you know, when, when the Pacers went through this change over the summer and there were some people suggesting, you know, that the Pacers just need to bottom out and maybe try to do what Philly did, um, I, I think the management of those assets is way more important than the actual picks you get. I mean, you look at a couple of the best players in the Pacers franchise history have come in the double-digit picks. Danny Granger, Paul George, Miles Turner, Reggie Miller all came on double-digit picks. It's the management of those assets. And when you're watching a game like last night, I think that stands out more than other nights with the fact that, look, Orlando's been drafting really high now for like five years, and the Pacers haven't, but the Pacers still have managed to build you know, a nucleus here that shows promise right now. They're 10 and 8, and I think a lot of promise in the future. Orlando is one of those teams that it's easy to cheer for them or root for them when they're not playing the Pacers because there are a lot of good people in that organization. I like the broadcasters. Obviously, we're uh, close with Frank Vogel, and it was good to see him again last night. And some of the times we've gone to Orlando in March and April, you've just kind of almost felt bad for some of the teams when the season has been decided. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs, and they have a month of basketball to still play and those have to be difficult we have to talk about a team 82 nights a year and do a 30-minute pregame show and there are times maybe when you're out of the playoff picture it doesn't there's not that much to talk about you, you're you're really um, grasping at straws as to what you would say I'm guessing you wouldn't do an hour podcast each week on your um, by choosing to if, if things are like that and so uh, with Orlando uh, you said it I interviewed Jeff Turner of their television network on Pacers live pregame and Asked him about Victor Oladipo, and I said, what do you think when you watch him play and you see the development that he has made? And he said, I cry. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I laughed, and I'm sure he chuckled a little bit, but there's some truth to that. You referenced the Pacers in their draft success. What about the number 11 pick? And I know DeMontis Sabonis wasn't their pick, but the Pacers have the 11 picks from consecutive drafts, and Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis, and those are looking like what could be cornerstone front court pieces for for a long time. And they're both 21 years old right now. And so there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, I don't – normally you would say, okay, slow down a little bit with the optimism. It's only 18 games. They only have 10 wins. If you look at the standings right now, they're in eighth. They're close to, you know, 11th. But they're also close to third or fourth. But I, I'm not going to be that person today. I'm going to say three days off. You've got Thanksgiving. You've got a lot to be thankful for. Just think back to the last few seasons. How many times before a break or a holiday 
did the Pacers play one of those games where it was just a dud? <laughs> and and you had to kind of think about that. And I can remember games before the All-Star break. I can remember games before Christmas. Just some flat games. Games before Thanksgiving where you wake up on the holiday and you're just kind of like, ugh. You know, like what's going on with this team? Now you have three days off and you could not be happier about what you're seeing. And you know the schedule in the next week or so is very difficult and we'll talk about that. But project over the next month or so, with all of these games at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, this team is in a great position. And, uh, you know, I asked Victor Oladipo my final question. And thinking back, I kind of wish I would have worded this one just a little bit differently. But I said, you know, you're 18 games in, you're 10 and 8. And it's kind of the fan in me thinking what everyone's talking about. How great before that game started would it be to be 10 and 8 going into Thanksgiving? And so is a player satisfied at all? And obviously, I know a player like Victor is not going to say, oh, yeah, we're happy to be 10 and 8. But just how quickly he answered and how he said, no, you know, there's we have a lot yet to prove. Um, I, I really think they mean it. And I think they are going to rest and enjoy today. It's a day off after a back to back. But I think that when they go to practice on Wednesday, they won't have a letdown practice. They'll practice hard. They'll practice on Thursday, and they'll be ready for the Raptors on Friday. The Raptors on Friday, Boston on Saturday. I want to use uh, this time real quickly to look at those games, uh, Toronto especially, because the Pacers are unveiling um, Gold Friday deals, which will be starting on Thursday, November 23rd at 8 p.m., so you can take advantage of Gold Friday on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Balcony-level tickets will be starting at 10 bucks. Club level at 35, lower level at 50, and that Toronto game is in there. So you've seen what the Pacers are doing right now. You got a chance to catch them in their next game, and you got a chance to catch them at pretty significantly discounted prices. There's four other games in there as well, but that's something uh, I wanted to make note of here while we were on it. Also, you know, we, we had a lot of Twitter questions last week, and we have a few this week. We'll get to them, but you know, the, the main question was, what do you do here with Thad and Turner and Sabonis? And, you know, one of those guys obviously can't start, and how do you manage the minutes? And last night, not the best example of that, maybe because Domas was in foul trouble and he only played 20 minutes, but one thing that we have seen an adjustment to, and this has kind of been happening at at, uh, a a pace, I guess, TJ Leaf, his numbers, his minutes have gone down um, slowly, and now what Nate McMillan has done the last couple of games has gone with an eight-man rotation, and I think part of that is just his thinking, you know, I've got three really good guys in Young, Turner, and Sabonis. And while Leaf's going to play again this season, I'm confident, um, right now you want to give as many minutes as possible to that trio because they are playing so well. And it's not always you see a a team go to an eight-man rotation in the first quarter of the season, but it does seem to be working right now. And you saw how much that game meant to Nate McMillan. Obviously, he is going to get a little more TJ Leaf playing time moving forward, but he wants to have Boyan Bogdanovich play as much as he can, as well as he is playing. And he knew he had these three days off after the game against Orlando. So I do, uh, I'm a little, I wouldn't say worry, but I was a little cautious heading into the Orlando game because it was off the back-to-back, because Orlando had that 40-point loss on Saturday, and because the Pacers, you know, you go into a a road trip that's a two-game, three-day road trip with a back-to-back, and you're at Miami, and you're at Orlando, and you're coming off a a really emotional win against the Pistons, and you'd say, okay, the the casual fan or maybe even broadcaster would say, you just got to get one of these two wins. And so that's what makes that win even more impressive last night. They did it playing primarily eight guys. They were tired. There were times in that fourth quarter, and, and when Victor had to leave to get evaluated where he kind of got hit on the head, 
I'm not sure how hard he got hit on the head. He was just exhausted, and he was not the only one. Darren Collison was, you know, he was really breathing heavy on the bench during timeouts. Boyan Bogdanovich, for the extended minutes he's playing, I'm not even seeing him tired at all, but that's the the reason he played the eight-man rotation is to get Bogdanovich more minutes. Lance Stevenson is earning more minutes on the floor, so you don't want to um, pull him out unless you absolutely have to. So I think moving forward, we do need to see a little bit deeper rotation. You need to see some TJ Leaf minutes. I'm still not giving up on Damian Wilkins. I think in the right situation with the right guys around him, he can play and be able to give other guys a little bit of a break. And, you know, we know Joe Young's ready. I mean, he's, <laughs> he, I'm not sure where he slept last night, but when his number is called, I do look forward. And I think the one other thing I want to see with some of these guys that aren't playing right now is to put them in maybe with the starters or to put them in with a group that has guys that have been playing well and not just an entirely – um, bench-driven unit, although the bench is playing well, so you wouldn't say if they're on the floor with Corey or Domas that it's a bad group or a group that needs help. But I do think in the next couple of weeks, I'm interested to see Nate extend the rotation just a little bit. But you can't argue with anything, and I think that Nate thought there's a big difference between 10-8 and 8 and 9-9 nine and nine at this point. He wanted to get that win, and he got that win. So um, I, right now, I think Nate's pushing all the right buttons, and someone that maybe only takes blame when things aren't going well and doesn't get the credit when things are going well. It was a pretty good week for Nate McMillan. It absolutely was a good week for Nate McMillan. And, you know, the stat to me right now that sticks out more than any, and and I'm not going to be the guy on this podcast all season long that compares this team to last year's and if they're having more success, you know, tries to turn that in. Uh, to a Paul George disc because I, I just think everybody needs to move on. Paul needs to move on. The Pacers clearly on the floor have moved on. The fan base needs to move on. But a, a quick look in comparison, I think, is really startling to how much this team has changed over the course of an offseason. And this is the, this is a really uh, eye-opening stat to me. It's kind of a two-part stat. Part one is on November 20th last year, the Pacers got their first road win of the season. The Pacers on November 20th on Monday night got their sixth road win of the season. And you have to go to January 18th to find when the Pacers got their sixth road win last year. So almost two months later, it took the Pacers to get their sixth road win last year than it took them this year. They're 6-5 and five on the road. And we'll see what the road slate has for them going forward. But you're there. Um, how different is, I don't know, the mindset, the mojo, the attitude? Is that what you're seeing that's different? Clearly, there's a level of execution on the floor, and that's probably the biggest thing. But do these feel like two? Com- they're, they're two completely different rosters, but just the product you're seeing on the floor on the road. Does this feel totally different? I'm not sure that I go into the game and I say on the bus ride over it feels different or watching them warm up that it feels any different. But what I do notice is during the course of a game, when you are on the road, there are those inevitable runs that the home team will make. And it just felt like so many times you would get into one of those here-we-go-again moments in previous seasons. And not always does Nate McMillan maybe call a quick timeout and stop the run. The players kind of have it on their own to do it. And I, I give Victor Oladipo a lot of credit because I think so many times during the course of this season, when things have started to go in a negative direction, he's been kind of the guy that's kind of taken the reins. And, you know, not in a hero ball type of situation where clear out, I'm going to go, or I'm going to shoot a three. Um, Just everything he's done on the floor has been one of these not 
we're stopping this run right now. We're going to start a run of our own. He's been key in the third quarters, I think, that sometimes after halftime, you know, a couple weeks ago, the team was really struggling in third quarters. But I think he's been a catalyst along with Boyan Bogdanovich in these third quarters of, um, you know, taking control and really taking the crowd out of these games. We've been in some very difficult environments, places the Pacers have not won uh, with much success in recent seasons, Miami being one of those. And it was an unusual situation in Miami. They announced a sellout. I'm not sure how they did that. They did get a crowd that filled up by the second quarter, but I don't think they had any Miami traffic to complain about. Although uh, there was some traffic near the arena. It took us like 30 minutes to get to the arena in what should have been about a four and a half minute drive. So maybe that's the issue. But the crowd was never in the game at all. And Memphis is another place that, um, you know, they can get energetic. And maybe there were some anxious moments as they were coming back as well. But, you know, it wasn't... they weren't fighting a sixth man in, in some of these games, and that's a credit to what the guys are doing on the floor. And I guess I'll give Victor a lot of the credit, I think, because he's just he just kind of has that rise to the occasion, play better on the road almost than at home kind of uh, mentality. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, all right, let's take. A, I want to take a step back here to something you said three or four minutes ago, and kind of hit back on that topic because we did get a Twitter question about it. It's from Nate Wright, who says, "By the way, he's a dedicated weekly listener, love the podcast." So we uh, certainly, Nate, appreciate you in return. But he also asked, "What kind of mentoring have you seen from the vets this year?" Alan, Damian aren't seeing playing time, but they are visibly leading. He says he sat behind the bench on Friday, and it was awesome to see them so engaged. Uh, while not in the game, how valuable have they been? You also mentioned Joe Young. He's been pretty active um, in huddles as well. And and I, I don't know if this is a huge difference from last year. I mean, I think Al was doing a lot of this stuff last year. Damian clearly was brought in with this being some of his role at a minimum. Uh, I think we're seeing it more from Joe Young. But I guess what have you noticed from some of these veteran players that maybe aren't seeing the floor right now? Think about if you have an eight-man rotation like the Pacers have primarily used the last two games. Well, that means six guys aren't really – I mean, they're ready if their number's called, but they're not a part of the game on the floor. And so with that, with those six – you're going to have some guys that are maybe maybe uh, five because EK's in Fort Wayne. But you're going to have veterans, and then you're going to have young players that really are just waiting for that opportunity. But it's important for both of those to have the kind of guys that will be supportive. And so let's just look at Al Jefferson. Every time during a timeout, I see him either talking to Domas Sabonis or Miles Turner or giving them a little bit of advice or just a little bit of positivity. I also see him every once in a while getting after an official when there's a call he doesn't like. He is dialed into the game. He was not happy about uh, a foul called last night, and uh, when a free throw was missed, it was really quiet in there, and I just heard Big Al say, ball don't lie! (laughs) So you know he's into the game, and um, you know, Joe Young is still kind of waiting in his third season. I give him a lot of credit for kind of be, being as positive as he is. Every single huddle break has been led by Joe Young. Um, Bad Young kind of has done that a lot in practice and at different times. But during games, I think he's as close to Nate McMillan as anybody in the huddle, whether you're playing or not playing. He's right there, and he's been the one to say defense on three or team on three. And he's been very, very positive. And I know he just is desperately hoping for that opportunity to show that he belongs in the league because he's obviously in his third season. It needs to happen pretty soon for him. 
but I do give him a lot of credit for the positivity and really that whole group. So then you've got, you know, TJ Leaf is just kind of trying to be a sponge and soak up everything, but it's good for him to see some veterans and the way they act as well. Sometimes I report on the bench demeanor and the, you know, positivity from the veterans during timeouts, and maybe I feel like it gets a little repetitive because I've seen it so much this season, but I do think it's important for people when we're not always watching the bench when your cameras are on the game that you see that, and I think that was a great observation um, for that Twitter question, and uh, I, I think it is a big part of what's, been, what's worked for this, this season. All right, do you want to get into uh, our pick three here? This is uh, we, I always like doing these podcasts here right before the holidays because I know a lot of people travel, and so I feel like uh, I know when I travel, I put on the, the, the podcast app, and I try to uh, get through as many podcasts as I can. So uh, hopefully you guys are doing the same if you are on your way uh, to wherever you may be headed for Thanksgiving. Certainly a happy holidays comes uh, from us with the Pacers and us here on the Sideline Guys podcast. So our pick three this week um, is is favorite things about Thanksgiving, which I think we have a, a lot to be thankful for. And I, I just kind of ask that this be centered around food because that's what's really been <laughs> in my head the last handful of days. Pat, I was just thinking today, I, you know, about two weeks ago, I was trying to kind of be good. I was tracking calories with an app and trying to, you know, lose a little pre-holiday pounds. And I just decided this morning, um, and I haven't been good the last week or so, but I'm going to wait until next Monday to actually be good again. So there's no, it's no fun to go into Thanksgiving worried about what you're eating. So food is good. But I do want to start with one of my favorite things about Thanksgiving, and it dates back to, you know, my younger days. And I always loved the start of the boys' high school basketball season. And it always, for me, was starting – with uh, Peru Tiger basketball games in the Huntington Classic or Huntington Tournament, a four-team tournament that would start on a Wednesday and then you would play championship consolation games on the weekend. So I always loved that Wednesday night high school basketball game. And then uh, we would always have Thanksgiving at family members' houses um, in the Manchester, Huntington North area. And so there, sometimes we're in different corporations, but we always had a game to talk about from the night before on Thursday. So whether it was Wednesday night and now a lot of teams play on Tuesday night. Uh, I love this. It's fun to not have to work necessarily for a few days, but I'm going to go to the Zionsville Carmel game tonight. And I look forward to continuing that tradition, having a little high school basketball before we resume the NBA season. And I'll be eating some popcorn. That'll be my food part of the pick three. (laughs) I'll be eating some popcorn at the game, which that's one of the things I miss about when I'm working every game. I love popcorn at basketball games. And I really have a hard time doing that because I get the kernels stuck yeah. in my teeth and I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to, I may have two popcorns tonight at the Zionsville Carmel game. I'm with you there. I'm, I'm a huge popcorn guy at sporting events and it is one of the worst broadcast foods to eat because you end up uh, carrying it with you in your mouth for like the next three or four hours. Can- and I miss my mouth a lot as well. So not only that, I'll probably yeah. get it in my pocket square where it just fall right down there. <laughs> but if somebody can create one of those without the little, uh, I don't know, what do you call those? It's the, the outie, outer shells. casing of the yeah. shell, yeah, yeah, that would be an invention. Uh, I don't, I don't really know how to answer the favorite food question um, because I kind of just, I'm, I'm the guy who turns it into uh, just like all kind of like one big thing. So like I take the the cranberries and the uh, the the stuffing and the mashed potatoes and the turkey and it kind of just becomes its own like one huge dish, I guess, but. Uh, I'm also a big mashed potatoes guy. So I think if you had to, like, if I could only keep one thing from leaving, 
it would probably be it would probably be the mashed potatoes. Although it's 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 such a tough call. I, I this is this is a hot take, but I feel like turkey gets unappreciated on Thanksgiving. Like everybody always talks about, oh, the mashed potatoes and the stuffing or dressing or whatever you want to call it, or uh, sweet potato pie or or candied yams or whatever. And and sometimes I think like the star of the dish, the turkey gets a little underappreciated. Yeah, you have to have turkey as any that's the whole good point. Thanksgiving meal, but I think that's sort of understood. I mean, turkey is one of those things. Maybe you don't really notice it unless it's not good. Like if it's burnt or it's dry, then you're you're very disappointed. You know you've got the turkey, and I think that's why everyone immediately goes to the sides. That's fair. So I don't know. Are you are you a cranberry guy? Like that's the one that's a little cliche to me. I I don't. I've never really had a cranberry dish or. Yeah cranberry entree that I've been like oh man I can't wait to have more cranberry <laughs> I, I like cranberry it's not it's not the first thing I'm delving into but I, I like it as part of the dish I think it, I think it mixes up the plate a little bit it's it's a different look I'm not I'm not a sweet potato guy so when everybody and it's funny because we have the the come to the come to our house dinner which is on Wednesday night that the Pacers put on were you were you traditionally our serving next to Larry Bird <laughs> yeah that's that's a hey, you know they I guess they got to put their highest ranking person with their lowest but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't think I'm next to Larry this year because we got our assignments and I am sweet potato or candy. Dance. Those are the same things, right? Uh, that's what I'm, I'm dishing out. I don't know out. that they technically are the same, but I, okay. Well, well, whatever they are, I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of either of them. So I, I've got to, I, I, I get to dish you out. Want to trade? <laughs> yeah. I'm on corn. Uh, is corn duty? See what, if, if, if you were to, if you were to be given like your number one choice, what would you give out? Because I can I think, uh, Boyle was lamenting the fact last night that he had, that he had cranberries and he wanted to do something else as well. So maybe we, maybe we can work like a three team trade. <laughs> I'm good with corn. I've had the, uh, the yams before yeah. and I've been, I don't like it because you get denied by about 40% of right. people. And I take, I take right. it personal. Like, Oh, yeah. you don't want my, my yams. Right. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've had corn. Corn's all right. Um, corn's easy. I mean, you just kind of... Although I would think I'm probably going to spill it a little bit. <laughs> like your popcorn. Like the popcorn. <laughs> but I'm next to Domas Sabonis, so I'm sure he'll be right there to grab the rebound. There you go. There you go. Uh, do we have a... Uh, we, n- we never talked about our mutual pick here. Uh, do we have a... Anything else, Pat, you like about Thanksgiving besides food? Oh. I hadn't even thought about that. (laughs) You know, I mentioned basketball. Yeah, no, you know, it's not to piggyback on yours, but that was always something um, I do with my dad. And it's it's funny you mentioned Carmel because that's, uh, you know, where I went and that's where we would always go to one of those early games. There's also the state finals football um, that weekend. Are you you working any of those games this year? I I am. It's going to be a busy Friday and Saturday. I'm doing the Class A and 2A games on the sidelines. Okay. Uh, partially because of the eight o'clock tips, it gives an extra hour to kind of get ready and get over to the field house. I was, I'm all in always on the class A game. It's kind of one of my favorites. I really, I get into the small schools and I'm looking forward to that matchup this year with Pioneer, who's back for a second straight year. And then Eastern Green, who I was on the field for their very first ever game as a varsity football program, uh, when I was working in Terre Haute. So it'll be really cool to report on that game. I was on the fence a month or two ago when I was asked if I wanted to do the Saturday because, you know. Friday will be a long day, and then it'll be Saturday, and it'll be time to get ready for another Pacer game, but I am going to work that game as well. So I'll try to get some work done in the schedule. The only reason I think I took the extra game was because of no Pacer game on Tuesday or Wednesday, so a little bit of time today and tomorrow to get ready for both the football games and the, and the Pacers games. But um, it's one of those weekends where once the final 
Um, game it concludes on Saturday. Last year, the Pacers didn't play Saturday, and I worked two of the games on Saturday. But I'm usually kind of tired, but then I'm also appreciative. It's kind of one of those thankful for the opportunity moments to have this job and to be able to do something that, you know, I've always, you know, I used to dream of playing state finals weekend and at Lucas Oil Stadium or back then the RCA Dome was was the goal and never got to do that. But to be a part of those broadcasts and obviously to be a part of the Pacers broadcast, it's uh, a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, I totally agree. I'll I'll be there, so I'll probably see you on the – I'll be doing the 2A game on the radio. So that's it, – it's a very long day. It, it is, um, and it's – this is odd. Like the home-home back-to-back for the Pacers, Toronto and, and Boston, the home-home back-to-backs almost never happen. Uh, but that is what we have this weekend, and, it, and it's – I think it's really good. You've got the team on a four-game winning streak. The fan base is excited. You've got two good teams coming in here in Toronto and Boston. They're 8 o'clock tips. Um, um, so a little bit later, allow you to have you know your your family time if you're extending that past Thursday. Uh, but but I'm with you on it, it, there's something even though um, like you want to go to bed for like three days after that day. Um, there there's something really cool about getting to have one day where you do a game in both Lucas Oil and Bankers Life Fieldhouse in both of those facilities. You know are just top of the line I think in 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 both sports lucas oil is is such a great stadium and bankers life fieldhouse obviously as well and to get to do a game in both of those buildings in the same day it'll be my third year getting to do that um and and i never underappreciate that opportunity because that's really really cool so the the 2a game fans if uh if if you tune over to the tv or listen on the radio if if you're tired of us i apologize because you're gonna have to you're gonna have to hear and see (laughs) you're gonna have pacers weekly also or you get a break on yeah no pacers pacers weekly 2a game and then uh Pacers so and Celtics, header. yeah, yeah, and so we'll grab you uh, for Pacers Weekly as as well on Saturday morning. So Saturday's a busy day, but it's good busy. Uh, you know, when when you get to do opportunities like that, it's it's really good busy. So that's there. That I mean, that naturally fit. There's our, our as I like to say, it beats working. You know, and, and I know yeah. it, it is it is a blessing to be able to work over the holidays. You know, there are some that say, "Oh man, you have to work the day after Thanksgiving," and some people are shopping. Uh, I don't think there's anything else I'd rather be doing. Obviously, I enjoy the family time. And it was a great benefit, though, to the Pacers. And I think not just us, but to the players. There are 14 games on Wednesday night in the NBA. So the Pacers are one of only two teams that don't play on Wednesday. And then I also think back to the Magic. After that game last night, they were home for a two-game homestand after I think they were out west for four. They go on another four-game road trip. They leave today. And they're not back home again until after the Pacers game on Monday. So think about the magic players, coaches, staff members, broadcasters. They'll wake up Thanksgiving morning in Philadelphia or Boston. And, you know, just I think that the NBA is great over the holidays because people are starting to have traditions the day after Thanksgiving, especially with the Pacers always having that home game. That I think if you ask some other people about their favorite things about Thanksgiving or this weekend, it, it could be NBA basketball on that day after Thanksgiving game because usually almost everybody is in action on that day. But if everyone's playing, half of those teams are on the road. And then they that means they at least left on Thanksgiving or they left prior to that for the start of a road trip. So um, I, I give credit to them and I am thankful that, it, that the Pacers have been home for so many years in that day after Thanksgiving so we can do the the high school football Pacers doubleheader. So all in all, I'm just kind of walking around kind of on cloud nine right now with the way the team's playing. I think we've had some good broadcasts and the opportunities we have. 
All is good, Pat Boylan. Hey, I, I think uh, I could not have said that any better myself. Very well worded. I think to, if, if the Pacers were to pick something they're thankful for, how about the offseason acquisition of Boyan Bogdanovich and what he has meant to this recent stretch? I mean, he has played so well in these last couple of games, and we knew early on in the year that his shooting struggles would go away. We've seen this guy plenty in the NBA. We know he's such a good shooter. And even uh, in that game against Orlando last night, he had two points at half. He finishes with 26. He had 52 points in Florida. Uh, and and Boyan's somebody that we, we didn't we didn't touch on too much at the beginning of this podcast, and I wanted to make sure we hit on him because, you know, with, with what Domas is doing as a new player and Miles Turner and Victor Oladipo, I think those guys take so much of the spotlight as they should. But Boyan has arguably been the Pacers' best player over this recent stretch. Very solid point. After the game was over, I was in the media room in Orlando, and Chris Denary walked in, and, and I think the first thing he said, which is – you know, proof that we're kind of all on the same page. He said, how about Boyan? You know, and because he hit the shot that kind of sealed the victory. And, you know, credit Victor for driving and finding him. But right now, Boyan is second on the team in scoring. And I'll admit something I'm not proud of. And I said this to Chris because I was kind of complaining to him maybe week and a half into the season. Uh, let's not repeat this, but I was I was making some Chase Budinger comparisons with Boyan <laughs> because I was just – you know, I was like, I wanted, I didn't see him comfortable out there. And if he's not going to hit shots, I was like, why? Well, I, I just, I'm not seeing it. And I knew he would get it going and would be, you know, a better player than Buttinger was for the Pacers. I think at that point, Buttinger's injuries had, had gotten the best of him. But I'm not sure that I expected to see what I've seen from him because um, the way he's run the floor has been really good. I've loved some of the defensive challenges he's taken on when, you know, maybe it's not a great situation for him because going into the season, I was thinking this is the, the biggest problem right now or thing I'm worried about is when you've got the three position, the small forward position, it's kind of the, besides point guard, obviously, but it, it's one of the positions in the league where the stars are. And you used to have Paul George that could guard the threes. And now you have Boyan or Thad. And then if Thad is, then does, who does Boyan guard? And I was worried about how that would go down. And if he wasn't hitting shots, then I was like, what is, what's the point here? And Glenn was hurt. So uh, without Glenn, you had to have Boyan step up. And without him stepping up, it's not 10 and 8. It's more like 8 and 10 or 7 and 11, I think. So credit to Boyan Bogdanovich. He's fit in very well. He has, he's very low maintenance. I don't think they have to worry about him playing hard or his feelings getting hurt or worried about him getting shots. He's going to get shots. He's going to knock down shots. He's going to be a professional. And uh, great job by Boyan. I think I'm totally abusing the rules here, but I'm about to move to like a fifth pick uh, favorite thing I'm thankful for. How about uh, I am thankful for, what is this guy's name? I'm thankful for Michael Brown and his Chris Denary has soft water sign last night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome. So a little background on this. We are in the hallway, and Nate McMillan is doing his group interview session with, and it was a larger session. Sometimes there aren't too many reporters on the road that want to talk to the visiting coach, and I would say there were probably about 15 people kind of huddled around, and Quinn Buckner was standing right beside me because after that group interview, then I interview Nate one-on-one, and then after that's over, I tape a segment with Quinn usually that airs just prior to tip-off during the National Anthem. So I'm standing next to Quinn. And all of a sudden, I look over, and there's a guy standing there behind kind of a a rope or a railing where I'm not sure that general fans are supposed to be where (laughs) he was, 
but he was, and he's holding up this sign, and it just says smothered chicken, and it's got a picture of Quinn from like college, <laughs> and and so he's he's get, getting my attention, and it's kind of a you know it's obviously it's a professional environment, <laughs> and I just smiled, and then I just kind of nudged Quinn, and I kind of nodded my head over in that direction. <laughs> And Quinn just started laughing. <laughs> and then Nate kind of looked over at us. And then Quinn was kind of trying to keep it together a little bit. And then the security guy was, okay, you, you got to get out of here. You know, he's telling the guy with the sign he's got to get out of there. And then we saw the extra signs for Kristen Airy has soft water. And then we had the Dan Burke sign as well. And so I talked to him and he's uh, in Orlando um, there were two guys, and I think they both went to Indiana University and have just been in Orlando a little bit. But uh, at MT Brown zero two, Michael Brown is all of a sudden um, getting his two minutes of fame. We got the the Twitter pictures, and then it was perfect. Is Jamie Burns, our director, sometimes scans the crowd for Pacer signs, and I don't know that he had shown them up to that point. But there was a Connecticut uh, timeout. Oh wow! In the fourth quarter. And the sign went up, but then we went to commercial break. And so then he put the sign down, and I saw on the monitor that the Christian area has soft water sign. He had it up, and then he sat down. And I ran over to him. Jamie said, get him to put the sign back up. <laughs> so I had about 30 seconds, and I got his attention, and I said, put the sign back up. And so then it was perfect right out of the commercial. Um, and I'm actually watching it right now, Fox Sports Indiana put the tweet out and Michael has of course retweeted it, but you've got one guy holding up the sign that says Pacers legend DB Dan Burke. And you've got the other guy, Michael with the Kristen area has soft water. And it was shown during a Connecticut water breaks. I think I'm guessing Fox could probably bill Connecticut, you know, double time for that read in that spot because they're getting a lot of, they're getting uh, some quality out of, Thank, courtesy to Michael Brown, maybe yeah, that guy can get a new water treatment system. I was about to say, do we have a sponsor who is happier than Connecticut? Like, there's, there's, there's no way, right? I mean, like the, the play that Connecticut has gotten out of this ad, especially last night, um, is is amazing. Well, I'm thinking this is a natural progression. So all the other businesses that are sponsors, they see. <laughs> the extra attention that Connecticut gets by partnering with someone like Kristen Airy. And as far as I know, Pat, I don't think you're affiliated with anyone. Is that correct? That is that is correct. I, uh, and, I have managed I, to stave off everybody who has tried to be affiliated with me so far. And I'm, uh, I can be bought as well. <laughs> and I'm certainly proud to give a product uh, a fair shake. And, you know, I, if I endorse it, I'm going to believe in it. But I'm yeah. willing to get, give your product to try and so just saying how many times do we have to ask this like come on businesses let's go like give us your money come on yeah okay but yeah Connecticut's getting some extra run and i guess the smothered chicken that should be sponsored because there was also you know yeah that, that that's getting some love and yeah. it's not actually affiliated but another reminder if if you want to Sponsor the show if you want to sponsor the location. We know of the people show. that could help you out, right? Yeah, yeah. We we know a guy or two who has an uh, inner working with the Sideline Guys podcast. So I think we could connect you with some. But great job, Michael Brown. And I'm guessing this might lead to you know something's happened in the last week that we might see some carryover. We saw it after the Pistons game, a little bit of a dance party for the Bankers Life Fieldhouse walk off interview. I could see that happening again. And now after these signs in Orlando, I could see some 
I could see some copycat, and I'm okay with it. Um, but I'm looking forward to kind of scanning the crowds, seeing if we get a few more signs moving forward. I agree. Hopefully this uh, this turns viral. So hats off uh, to those two who were in the stands last night in Orlando. We've got a couple of games coming up, a couple of days before we get there, which, as we've mentioned, is nice. But Toronto coming up. Boston coming up. There's a decent chance Boston's going to come into this building with an 18-game winning streak. They, I mean, how amazing is uh, is their story? You you lose Gordon Hayward. There was so much talk in the offseason of, you know, it's going to take Boston some time. They lost Avery Bradley. They lost Jay Crowder. They lost Kelly Olenek. Um, and those were huge glue guys to that team. And it was just going to take some time in general to try to figure out how, you know, they would deal with the loss of depth. They're playing Jalen Brown in huge minutes. They're playing Jason Tatum in huge minutes. Um, and then you lose Gordon Hayward, the whole uh, reason you had to get rid of all those guys, and they are 16-2. and two. They're winning games, you know, at the end of games where they've been down and they have no business winning and they come back and win. That was an example on Monday night, down five to Dallas in the last minute and a half and won that one. And, uh, you know, there's a decent chance, I would say, get your tickets for that game on Saturday if you haven't, because Boston might come in here with an 18-game winning streak. And when the Raptors come back, I know you're look for, looking forward uh, as well to seeing C.J. Miles for the first time since he has left Indiana. Yeah, interesting matchup between uh, the Pacers and Raptors, first of all, because I think Corey Joseph and C.J. Miles are both kind of fitting in very nicely with their new teams, and really... Let's say for sure Boston playing like the class of the Eastern Conference, at least at this point in the season. And Toronto, uh, maybe maybe second best. I mean, Detroit's gotten a lot of love. I'm just not sure that I can progress. You know, I can think long term and think they're going to be there two or three in the East. And and the Pacers short term, the last week or so, are playing pretty well. And I think the Pacers and Raptors have had a good little rivalry over the last few seasons. It, you know, started in that playoff series, and they've had some interesting games and moments. And now it's interesting to see Corey Joseph pairing up with Lance Stevenson when we saw what happened when they were last on the floor opposite each other last season. So I'm looking forward to that matchup. And then obviously with Boston, you just have to um, give them a lot of credit. But here's something I'm thinking about. Okay, the, the Pacers are due to start getting people outside of the sideline guys and, you know, in different places around the country to, to take notice. And the four-game win streak, I mean, it seems like every day I, I see the podcasts or I see the articles and the blogs and someone else is writing about Boston or Golden State. The Pacers have an opportunity this weekend. If you can show out against Toronto and Boston, all of a sudden you start next week where everyone says, you know what, what about the Pacers? So, um, it, it doesn't matter to the players, and I don't think even the front office, they're necessarily looking for attention, but I think when they're playing the way they are, they, they deserve a little bit of attention, especially when you consider where this team was and what many thought of them in the offseason. So I think it's a real opportunity with three days off, home games Friday and Saturday against really good teams to make a, a really big statement. And I'm looking forward to both the games. Completely agree. And two games coming up this weekend that you can catch there again, uh, Pacers.com slash Gold Friday. There are going to be some great deals coming up uh, this weekend as well, starting Thursday at 8 p.m. on that website. I know that is always one of the days that uh, the most tickets get bought on the year, and some of those games go quickly, so make sure – uh, to be over on Pacers.com slash Gold Friday starting at 8 o'clock on Thursday night. Gold Friday starting 
a little bit earlier. All right, uh, we previewed a couple games going on ahead. Four-game winning streak for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, we didn't mention in this thankful thing that we are certainly thankful for those who listen, those who watch, those who listen to the podcast, the radio broadcast, the television broadcast. Uh, you know, it's it's always enjoyable after the Pacers have a win, and I'll be in the locker room and not really have time to check Twitter um, while I'm doing the interviews for the Fox Sports Indiana post game show. And one of my favorite things after a game, an exciting game, a game like Detroit, is when you go back onto your phone and you haven't checked it in about 25 minutes, and you look at your notifications, and it takes like 25 minutes to get through all of them because the fan base is so excited, and I think you know. I'm thankful for everybody who listens to this, who chimes in and, and says something, you know, hey, love the podcast kind of thing, because you and I just kind of started this last year at the beginning of the year and said, hey, you know, we like to talk. Uh, we let's let's talk more on a podcast and we'll see if anybody picks it up. And so, you know, we're just into season number two with it. But for those of you who sit in your office and listen, or for those of you who are listening here on the road on your trip to wherever Thanksgiving may take you, we are certainly thankful for you as well. Yes, safe travels, and we hope that uh, we can provide a little entertainment because I think it's going to be tough for fans. I said that after the game last night. Everyone needed a little bit of a break, but I almost am disappointed there is no game tonight. And for Pacers fans, I'm talking to a lot of them that say, you know, this is appointment viewing, and this is kind of, you know, Chris has always said, we're like that sitcom that for the winter, um, we're in your house and a part of your kind of, you know, your day-to-day experience 82 times a year. And so there's three nights here over the holidays where you don't get to have Pacers basketball either on the radio or on television. And so the, the, the podcast hopefully can get you through till Friday night and make plans wherever you are to either get to Bankers Live Fieldhouse or tune in on Friday night at 8 o'clock, Saturday night at 8 o'clock. I think those will be a couple of fascinating games and matchups, and we just look forward to seeing this team continue to grow and develop and what we know, Pat, they're going to play hard, so there's no doubt about that. He's Jeremiah Johnson. I'm Pat Boylan. We will talk to you next week on the Sideline Guys podcast.